Hello, and welcome to the eTech Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Morn. I have been involved in the development of electrified vehicles and machines since 2005 as an engineer and a business leader. This podcast is the product of my passion for electric and autonomous vehicle technology. I'm here to share knowledge from some of the world's leading experts, as well as my own insights. Join me as we accelerate the transition to cleaner, safer and smarter vehicles and grow the industry around the world. For today's show, we've got a really exciting episode lined up for you. And I know I always say it's a really exciting episode, but today I really, really mean it. We have got uh, Eva Hackinson and Bill Dubay from the Green Envy team. Um, so world record-breaking motorcycling daredevil speed demons uh, all the way from Auckland in New Zealand. And they've agreed to come on the show for a second time, so you can see how crazy they are, uh, to talk about um, where they got to and, and what they're up to with the Green Envy um, world record motorcycle program that they've been working on. So welcome to the show, Eva and Bill. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Indeed. Yes. Great. Okay. Thanks for joining us. So so we've been having a really long conversation before I started recording here about all the kind of crazy stuff going on in the world at the moment. And Eva and Bill are basically locked up in their um, apartment in in Auckland, in New Zealand. Um, and if I remember rightly, you, you basically had to kind of abort the land speed record attempt. Just. Just. So uh, if it had been a week earlier, it would have happened. So we were all set already in, in Australia with a bike, a container, a full sea container with support equipment ready to go. And the world came to a screeching halt. While we were about to do this. So it all <laughs> kind of like this slow motion train wreck as we were about to try to leave. Oh, no, can't do that. <laughs> oh, oh, it looks like the fire crews pulled out. Oh, oh, it looks the medical people. No, they're banning the this, you know, the... And, they, and the event coordinators were scrambling to make this happen. Can we fit under this rule? Can we do this? Can we do this? And, they, and the curtain just slowly came down on the event. It was... Well, the final straw for the event was the land speed record event that the uh, Lake Gardner Salt Flats in Australia was actually that they couldn't get the medical staff to man the ambulance. Because they were banned. From doing so. Ah, right. Okay. All medical staff was kept called back. All their uh, approved leave was taken back because they needed to be ready for pandemic work. Ah. So that was the final final straw for the whole event. Was actually that's it to man ambulance and fire rescue. They were down. They had they had three doctors, then two doctors, then one doctor, then. No. no doctor. No doctor. And were you literally, were you out on the salt flats at that point or had you sort of not? Almost. We hadn't quite made it. We hadn't made it to, we had made it to Adelaide. We had got all the shipments through customs and biosecurity inspection. And we were just about to pick up rental cars and camper trailers and buy food and equipment. And... Nope. Nope. Uh... And then the, um, um, uh, Australia uh, put in the two-week self-isolation requirement yeah. uh, before our crew had arrived. So we the crew couldn't come. Because yeah. if they'd come, they would have been isolated for two weeks and missed the event. So so if everything had happened a week earlier, yeah. it would have been a go. But, yeah. oh well, <laughs> it is whatever. So that's kind of how we've ended up here. And I guess um, 
So as I mentioned at the start, people uh, could look back in the uh, podcast uh, library that we've got and you'd see that we spoke to Eva and Bill. Uh, God, it feels like a long time ago now, so probably a year ago, something like that, um, when you were just at kind of at the, the beginnings of the, the, the Green Envy journey. Um, so just let's assume that people don't know what you were doing. So what is Green Envy and, uh, and what were you up to? Why were you out in Australia trying to get out to um, a piece of baked hard uh, salt flat? <laughs> so the Green Envy is a rule, technically a motorcycle. Yeah. If you were to see it, you wouldn't believe it's a motorcycle because it looks more like an airplane or a spaceship. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with uh, that. Yeah. But it is a, it's classified as a motorcycle because mm. it only has three wheels, and that's what makes it a motorcycle. But it's uh, seven meters long. Yeah. It's uh, 1,200 kilograms heavy. <laughs> it, it is no small machine. Yeah. Uh, fully yeah. enclosed looks basically like a dark green airplane. Uh, and on one side, it has what looks like a wing, which is a sidecar wheel, which makes it a sidecar motorcycle. On the inside, it is jam-packed with a, a gigantic powertrain. Thank you and very much. Thank you very much, <laughs> because we are running the Avid Motors, two of the um, uh, Evo two, AFM uh, 240 motors. Yeah. And all together, the whole powertrain with A123 batteries and Cascadia motion controllers produces just shy of uh, 1,000 horsepower. Fully electric, of course. Fully electric. Absolutely. I mean, of course. Sorry. That's, yeah. that's well, of course it is. I mean, what else would you want to do? Um, and it's uh, it's built purely to go very, very fast in a straight line and to yeah. set speed records. And the design speed is 400 miles per hour. Or if you are a metric listener, uh, that is uh, about 650 kilometers per hour. That's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. That is actually faster than anyone has ever gone with a motorcycle. For, of any kind of fuel type, so petrol or... Yes. So the current overall motorcycle record is right now sitting at 376 miles per hour. Oh, wow. So that's what we are out to beat. Yes. So you're going for the overall record, not just the um, electrically powered record. So the electrically powered record for motorcycles we already hold with our uh, with a predecessor kilojoule, yeah, which also runs an Avid Evo oh, motor. That's a coincidence. Hey, and we have been running uh, uh, that motor for a for, for actually well uh, since before it was an Avid motor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of uh, didn't have that name back then. Um, we've been running it very since, satisfying since. 2013 yes and we just loved it so much yeah so when we built the whole brand new motorcycle we this, had to go this yeah. was the obvious obvious solution yeah. oh great thank you for that um so the, the... <laughs> well, no thank you thank you <laughs> no joke uh it's a uh, turnout it, it is an extremely reliable powertrain yeah we've been no, very happy that's great it's really good um so the 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 what kind of started so Kilojoule was was a really successful bike and, and you did a lot of stuff with Kilojoule. What kind of, what was the the apex point that made you decide to start again with uh, with Green Envy and a completely new, because it, it's based, if, if anyone wants to, um, one of the other things, as well as making really fast motorcycles that uh, Bill and Eva are really good at is stop, uh, stop, no, time-lapse. That's what it's called, time-lapse videos. <laughs> 
you guys make great time lapse videos, and there's a lot of them um, on your Facebook and things. So you can see this thing getting put together. Um, lots of really fab time lapses. So, wh what was the? It's actually those are real time. We just say they're time lapse so people don't feel bad. <laughs> you move that quickly. Yeah, yeah. that's how you we get actually it all done. built this motorcycle in six, six months, months and... and this is unheard of. Wow. And the reason we were able to do that, well, first we're, You're you know, we're pretty, we're, we've gotten good at this, but yeah. it's electric, which yeah. is so much, so much simpler. You know, it's a, it's essentially a cordless drill with wheels, a giant cordless <laughs> drill with wheels. It, it is. Yeah. And putting this together is so much simpler. There are so much fewer systems yeah. to deal with. You know, you don't have a fuel system. You don't have a an exhaust system. You don't have a fuel injection. All mm. this sort of stuff. No clutch. No clutch. No transmission. All of this is gone. Yeah. And yeah. there's also no dyno testing. You, yeah. If it works, <laughs> gonna work. Hopefully, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Although we did, we dyno tested the motors before we sent them to you. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, you have done all the work for us. So, yeah, yeah but you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's very, yeah. it, it turns out various, but we're, you know, it, it, it's the, the electric allowed us to do that. But the, we talk about the real time, the, uh, the uh, time lapse. It, we really almost go that fast. Yeah. <laughs> so is it the, the reason for the new bike? Is it longer or wider or what's the, is, what's the sort of fundamental differences to the old bike? What were you trying to achieve with the, the, the new design? The, fun the fundamental difference is that it is better in almost every aspect. We made improvements. Right. So we learned, uh, we learned a lot. So when we built the, the kilojoule, uh, we started um, it's spring break 2010 is when we cut the very first tubes. Right. We had never been to Bonneville. We had never seen a streamliner motorcycle in person. Right. We just decided that we wanted to be the fastest in the world. And the only way to go really fast is with a streamliner motorcycle. Because you have to be totally enclosed. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't get to sufficiently low air aero drag. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, basically just looked at online all the pictures we could find. And, okay. <laughs> and took the pieces we liked. And then we drafted up a design and built it. Okay. Yeah. So and then it was a, a work in progress for about nine years, and um, it was lots of things. We were kind of tired of all the mistakes we had made along the the, the living with them, the, yeah. living with all the mistakes. It wasn't straight. That was one of the mistakes we. The frame wasn't. We we didn't. The bike realize, wasn't straight. We we didn't realize the uh, the importance of keeping everything perfectly aligned. And when you weld things, things just. Move. twist and turn and, and yeah. that's what they do unless you take an extreme care of keeping everything straight um, after um, years of all the alterations something looks like a banana or an s or something and yeah. and, um, and that was an annoyance because there was nothing you could measure as a datum anymore right um so that was one point uh, one part uh, another important thing was uh, the corrosion so 10 years of salt racing and we hadn't realized when we built the Kilojoule that when you race on salt, salt gets in everywhere. Right. Absolutely. In everywhere. sealed capsules. Yeah. You open up a sealed container somewhere and then closure, there's salt inside. How did it get in here? <laughs> it just, it, <laughs> How did it do this? It kind of gets in as a fine dust. Oh, and then okay. it absorbs water from the atmosphere and then everything corrodes. And, put, and, the, and the frame corrodes from the inside out. Yeah. We, we, we kind of would. We kind of took things apart, uh, basically to take 
to we kind of cannibalized in a way yeah. some small parts. So we yeah we knew there was corrosion and we thought yeah we need time for something new yeah. before something, something significantly breaks. Yeah. yeah, and you don't want it to break when you're doing 400 miles. Well, an hour. we took uh, parts of the parachute system off the tail and we had the tail off and upside down, and Eva poked a screwdriver through the mount for the tail. Right through the two millimeter steel. <laughs> yeah. I saw okay. a little spot in paint and I started scratching it. And it went through. <laughs> the screwdriver went through. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was more than time. There was also uh, improvements in safety we wanted to make. Uh, one of the big things we have done, we have made the uh, f- frame at a larger dimension than, than what is required. For a motorcycle. For a motorcycle. Okay, yeah. And we have increased increased head space, which turns out to be a very important thing in a fast vehicle. Okay. Up and down. So if, if you were to turn upside down, there's room for your your body and your head to move in that direction, your belts to stretch right. and everything so that you don't crush your head or your spine or any of that. On the, on the it, inside and, of the roll cage. Yeah, which has uh, been attributed to some number of accidents. Ah, uh, uh, right, okay. But that is a, it's a tough decision to make because you increase your your yeah. whole vehicle would say 50 millimeters. That's a lot of aero drag. And it's a lot of horsepower you have to add to make up to that. So. Which is up to you guys. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> I, I hadn't really thought about, um, yeah, of course, because even though it's a slippery shape, you, you're sort of effectively increasing the, the uh, cross-sectional area. If you yep. yes. How large a hole you have to push in the air. I remember last time we talked, you said one of your uh, sort of secret weapons basically was the fact that Eva's the pilot. So um, yeah. you're narrow. You, you have yeah. narrow shoulders compared to your uh, typical bloke. So uh, yes. you yes. can slip through compared the air a bit easier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. okay, you've made so the... Have... Sorry, go on. Yeah, so we have kind of sacrificed a bit of that small footprint for increased safety. But yeah. we just had to do it. But with that also comes, of course, as the as the cockpit grows, so does the compartment for the uh, motors and powertrain. And yeah. the batteries. And everything. Okay. So we have a whole lot more space now for, oh, yeah. All for of batteries. That. Yeah, for four controllers. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. So there's a there's basically a fundamental kind of rewrite based on all the experiences from, uh, from the past bike. And because there's, there's no, I don't know, well, I'm saying... You, you, you could, the first bike was built on the kind of trial and error, I guess, and, and what you could learn on the internet. There's no book, is there, for, you know, how to build no. a really fast motorbike. It's, you, you kind of, um, you basically have to make it up as you go along with your engineering smarts to, to put into it. That's correct. We have been thinking about writing the book, but, you know, there are only so many hours in a day, unfortunately. We are in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I should give it but a it go. Is, uh, yeah, there is no book. There is there are been some there are some little articles here and there, and, mm. and people put blogs and pictures. Yeah, and, we actually have during lockdown we have a whole different project that we're working on, and and it's it's related. So yeah. what we do for the one of the things we do for Green Envy is that we three D print a lot of parts. Okay, a lot of stuff. On a lot of stuff on on actually consumer printers. These are no fancy. Tens of tens of thousands well, of, of pounds. We made one. Uh, we we made so we built our own giant printer. Almost a meter on a side cube is its is the uh, print volume. It's but, about seven hundred and thirty millimeters on a side. Oh wow! Cube. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's an FDM printer. But it's it's based on consumer printers. It's based on the parts and open source and, and yeah. hardware and software. Rep wrap. But we print so much parts and we feel kind of guilty of, of uh, uh, making a lot of stuff with the plastics. Yeah. And uh, for the, the to take the high temperature of racing in a desert, you can unfortunately not use the regular bioplastics like PLA, which is a bio-based plastic. So we have yeah. to go with a regular petroleum-based. And we don't like that. So we are actually spending our lockdown designing a, 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 a extrusion equipment for 3D printing filaments. So we can make it from water bottles. <laughs> so the green envy, so the plan for green envy for next year is that all the parts we need to 3D print will actually be made from recycled plastics. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. So that's our lockdown project. Yeah. You know, we've got Just nothing to better to do. <laughs> always, always, and it's always about, you know, we're going to get the vehicle back from Australia in, uh, I'd say about probably three weeks, three weeks or so, close, okay. you know, nearly a month. Yeah. And uh, we've kind of made arrangements to do that. And it's kind of working its way because, you know, everything is slow, right? Everything now. is slow right now. So we'll, we'll um, have to sit somewhere and kind of be, I don't know, decontaminated or something before you can get it? Or does it come straight back to you? I think that it has to go through a full biosecurity inspection. But Every I think the fact that it was never raised to just basically just went and turned around. Right. And, and came out again. Hopefully, that will be easy. Yeah, it's going to be. It's 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 as clean as it went out, and, and I'm pretty sure it will. They still have to fumigate, probably, because it's no. been to Australia, don't they? No. Okay. <laughs> Not what I know. Any miscreant Australians uh, kind of uh, hanging out in there, <laughs> trying to escape to New Zealand? Yeah, <laughs> we feel very lucky to be living here. It's yeah. uh, it is a refuge in a in the world on fire. Yeah, no, yeah. We we were talking before, just so people know, we were talking about this for quite a while before the podcast started, and uh, Dylan and Eva are very uh, very satisfied with uh, the the situation in in New Zealand at the moment, and it's uh, all the kind of trouble that ev- everywhere else is facing. They seem to be um, be to be doing very well over there, um, as well as one can do. Yeah, well, yeah, quite in in the current <laughs> situation. Um, so on, on Green Envy, uh, I know you've got some really special features in the design um, and something that I've seen you do quite a lot of work with on the videos and such like is the wheels. So uh, yeah. what, uh, tell, tell us about the wheels because they um, they're pretty special, aren't they? So we are literally reinventing the wheel. <laughs> that's the the summary um that's that's the short story the long story is that even if the green envy is from a motorcycle perspective a a monster with seven meters long and 1200 right. kilograms heavy in the world of land speed racing it's a very small vehicle right and tires that high really high speed tire you can buy tires that the manufacturer claim is rated for, for 500 miles per hour. Yeah. But those tires are meant for a big car. And they only last one run. At that speed. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and they're... so first off, they're too big for our vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't really get tires that are good for more than 350, maybe 400 miles per hour, but it's starting to get uncertain at that point. And uncertainty in tires at those speeds... The tires don't just go flat or 
you know, you get kind of, oh, okay, we got a bad one or something's coming off. No, they explode. Pieces of the vehicle come off. And the, uh, oh, yeah. And you wreck the entire vehicle as often as not. Right. So this is a this is a life changing event when you have a flat tire on a on, and so if you have a tire failure this is failure this is a major issue yeah. on the uh, and the pneumatic tires yeah so tire, tires is the absolutely weakest link in land speed racing and they are they are basically just two manufacturers that make wheels for this kind of speed or tires for this kind of speed they often go flat they delaminate. Um, and also they don't come really the right sizes for us. Yeah. So we just realized, you know, we have to take matters in our own hands and there are teams that who go to a tire manufacturer and pay them a million dollars and say, make us special tires. We don't have that. <laughs> we don't have that money. And we also thought, you know, running on pneumatic tires at this kind of speed is just kind of crazy. Bear skins and stone knives. It's a little bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at the jet car, such as the Bloodhound, it yeah. runs on solid wheels. Right. Okay. They would never think of, of putting pneumatic tires on that one for their desert yeah. uh, desert uh, um, uh, setup. They have run uh, pneumatic tires on runways for testing. Yeah. Uh, and they run perfectly fine on solid tires, but they don't need traction. They don't need to get a grip on the ground. Because it's thrust powered. Yes. So they yeah. only, they, they just, need to stay straight and steer that's all they have to do yeah. it makes a, a cylinder a hard cylinder on the hard ground makes a lined contact you know just a if you think of it and yeah. uh, you need a contact patch which has area for traction yeah yeah so so yeah. we so what what came up with the the uh, the wheels we're running we have we have named them key wheels so kiwi wheels from the from okay. the, the <laughs> New Zealand heritage yeah, and and it's been we've been dwelling on the idea for a few years that we we okay we want to run solid wheels because the jet cars have proven that that's something that the will, safest way to go the safest ways to go, but at the same time we need a rubber contact patch to get grip has to be compliant has to be compliant has to get okay. uh, make a contact patch to to get the sufficient grip and we are we are transmitting a thousand horsepower through a contact patch that is probably smaller than the, the size of your palm of your hands yeah, <laughs> so, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> um so so the idea was to get a solid wheel with a rubber tread but the rubber tread couldn't be held on with just glue or adhesives because that's how pneumatic tires actually fail yeah. they're held together they are a pneumatic tires la layers of rubber and layers of of steel um steel fabric or, or fabric steel and fabric sort. belts or, or, or fabric um, and they fail in, in the adhesion layers between these two diff this, these different materials or yeah. they pull off the rim for yeah. a whole bunch of reasons yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we thought okay we need a, a solid wheel with a rubber tread but it can't use glue so uh, after lots of conceptual designs and ideas uh, we came to the conclusion that well what if we have a, a solid wheel that has grown rubber hair through it Kind of like a stubble, okay? <laughs> like a, like a, like your beard, a stubble. <laughs> so what this wheel ended up being is actually it would looks like a a a big rim, right? With uh with holes drilled through it, looks almost like a spaghetti colander. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And on the inside of this this cylinder with all these wheels through is a 
is a, a cast high strength rubber mat that has studs sticking out of it. Okay. So you push this mat through the rim and the rubber studs come out on the outside. And the rim supports the mat. <laughs> okay, yeah. And, then, and, and because of the, oh, effectively the faster you spin that, it's going to plug, you know, it can't escape. Yeah. Yeah. We, do, we do hold it in for low speed. There are yeah. retention bands. On the inside. They used to just hold it in for low speed. Okay. But at high speed, you've got, you know, 10,000 Gs to hold it in position. So <laughs> yeah. it's not, yeah, they're not coming out. No. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very weird looking wheel. You can see it on my website, greenenvyracing.com, if you're, if you're curious. Uh, it looks like something NASA would have put on the, the Mars rover. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a, a very space age wheel. But it doesn't spell anything out. It could, I suppose. It could, I guess, it could spell something out in Morse code if we wanted yeah. to. Add it, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine a, a, a silver colored narrow cylinder that has a red little nub, nubby sticking out through it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and have you managed to do much testing with that? Because that's quite a. So, so we ran them last year. At the we ran them two years or three years ago at uh, Bonneville. We ran them the very first, the very first prototype, which actually where the rubber was three D printed. Yeah. We ran that uh, three years ago at Bonneville. Yeah, and we discovered the need for the backing plate. Okay. Because the the rubber nubbies got would push, push in, in at, at low, low speeds. speeds. Ah, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did have a little neck, so they will stick in the hole, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And then last year we ran um, uh, all three wheels, front, rear, and sidecar wheel, not at the same time, but at different runs at the kilojoule. Just for testing. For testing, and uh, we ran it up to 236 miles per hour. And I didn't crash, I didn't die, it didn't come apart. <laughs> so good, good. <laughs> yeah, test passed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it. People think it's it's crazy to test things this way. It's like, oh, wouldn't you spin it up in the laboratory or something? And yeah, that would have been That's great. What I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> well, you would, but but it's not a real test. Well, it, it's it. You <laughs> yeah. can question the validity of such tests, and also we just didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, you'd have to and make quite a special did... test rig to really replicate. Yeah, the Man, forces. it's more than that. You have to. It has to hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that's by the way, uh, tires, pneumatic tires fail because they hit the ground, yeah. and it sets up a standing wave in the rubber. That's what makes them fail. Yeah, and therefore they don't fail if you just spin them up at the same RPM. They work great. without load. Yeah, so. yeah. So you'd have to have some kind of like load drum and yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm a sure lot possible, of things, but difficult. What what we do is we are a shoestring budget team. Yeah. So our annual budget is like a one hundredth of a, a major landscape racing team yeah. uh, and we try to do things differently so so yes we would love to send things off for testing but we just don't have that opportunity yeah. so what we heavily rely on is the engineering and the maths we yeah. actually do the maths finite element finite element analysis analytical uh, just kind of straight out of your textbook analytical yeah. um, maths in laboratory testing on the rubber and this is that that's an area where you guys are probably a little bit different to your typical um racing car drivers uh so just yeah 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 day jobs of um, what do you do again <laughs> I, I used to teach engineering so yeah so i guess i have that yeah and and bill has built and um, scientific instruments and worked in engineering all his all his life 
Yeah. So, yeah. You, you, so it, it's you wouldn't ever say it, but you are both very clever cookies. <laughs> and they're blushing now. Clever, but... you know, it still takes a budget. Yeah, you know, clever still... definitely offsets budget in a big way, but you can't do it without a budget, and you still have to, you know, it keeps us poor. <laughs> well, the other thing that is quite special about you guys is you don't often get people who can do really, really complex, difficult maths and TIG weld, you know. The... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have bas- I have simply been forced to learn both. Well, that's, that's really what it is. So, the joy so... of a small budget. You see, if you had a big budget, you never would have got to have these skills. No. So we definitely have a champagne taste and a not even a beer budget. I think a soda is all yeah, we, we yeah. can afford on this budget. Maybe a root beer. Um, <laughs> so so we are uh, people think we enjoy being underdogs no we don't necessarily yeah. we would much rather have big budgets but we don't we so don't. we, so we simply yeah. do the best out of if it. anyone listening to the podcast happens to want to be a, a large uh, cash sponsor uh, by, by the way obviously not a motor supplier because you've got the best motors in the world anyway but if anyone else wants to be no a large cash sponsor of, <laughs> of a fantastic um land speed record busting uh, motorcycle team then uh, they should get in touch with uh, with Eva and Bill um, and and maybe help that budget a little bit so that you you're not forced to do all of your own uh, fabrication in the future yeah and also if you go to greenenvyracing.store you can become a, a sponsor directly or supporter directly and you will get uh, you can get all kinds of cool gadgets including 3d printed models on the green envy ah okay yeah you've got some cool merchandise on there yeah, little 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 stuff. stuff. Yeah. I haven't. I you know what? I've ha- I need to have a look at that. I haven't had a look at that. Um, I've seen you talk about that before, but uh, I will have a look at that. So 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 then the wheel the wheels themselves just the wheels are you know a work of art. They're sort of scientific and, and engineering accomplishment. But mo- moving up from the wheels, you've got a, a pretty you know punchy powertrain in there. Um, I, I know you've carried over a lot of stuff electrically from the previous um, vehicle but could you just sort of run us through the the electric powertrain and and um, and how that works and, and what you've got in there i'd like to add that the the other racers are quite uh are very interested in everybody is asking us about the uh, wheels by the way yeah uh, all the land the land speed people are they re- they realize they're they're suffering the same pain of these of wheels and tires and they realize how that, yeah, we're glad somebody's doing something about it. Yeah. But it's not the only thing they're looking at. They're definitely looking at our powertrain. Oh, so. yeah, for Is sure. It, actually, so I'm just going to, because I obviously um, I've done my usual and I've rigorously planned all the questions <laughs> for this podcast. But on the wheels, uh, there was one thing I was going to ask because I think some people think that the salt is like um, frying pan flat. And it, it's not, is it? It's quite rough, this, this salt. On a large scale, it is. Yeah. But on a small scale, it's rough. Yeah, yeah. So, so how does your system accommodate the the surface roughness, the variation in in the salts? Because normally, you, the pneumatic tire that's part of its job is to comply and take some of that out. So, how, what do you on guys do? On suspension. <laughs> okay. So, so you you are bringing up a topic which has been plaguing us for years and this was also another reason that the killer jewel was just due for retirement right yeah it uh, was um it was paying on a budget yeah and uh, we built the whole killer jewel suspension around uh, 
$75. $75 50cc pit bike shocks from, from eBay. eBay. Oh, and no. it had five of those. Two for the front, two for the rear, <laughs> one from the sidecar. High quality components, obviously. They actually worked okay, <laughs> okay. for the first few years. Yeah. Okay. But nine years into it and, mm. and being abused, they actually we, we, it took us a long time to understand what, what had happened. Uh, they basically just froze solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one race, it was like, what's going on with this? The, the, the salt must be, it must be unbelievably rough out there. No, the suspension in the front did frozen. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and yeah, and also the suspension, instead of having uh, bearings, had bushings. And right. those had seized and as well. A, and, then some, and those are seized and creaking. And the difference from the old suspension to the new mm -hmm. suspension, I mean, you put your finger on top of the new one and you can see the suspension move a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is a thousand kilogram. Yeah. So the, the, the kilojoule had this this uh, super budget pit bike suspension. The Green Envy has these beautiful, all stainless, all bearings, and Olin's has custom uh, made all the shocks for it. Temp yeah. Tapered roller bearings, needle bearings in the front, all of this on bearings. Yeah. And so we have gone from the absolutely uh, lowest possible end to the absolutely highest yeah. and best. Oh, but we haven't gotten a chance to try it yet. But I, I do. Well, I've driven the Green Envy once in the parking lot at yeah. a whopping 14 miles per hour ah. outside the workshop. And uh, uh, on that kind of bumpy pavement with joints and things, it, it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's like a luxury car. And the kilojoule usually typically just bounced over every little every little rock, and so I, I think it's much. It should be much better. It also it's important to have good suspension, uh, especially in the rear wheel, yeah. so that it will uh, it will grip the pavement uh, yeah. the, the salt because it has to it has to you have to be in contact with the ground, yeah. you know, because otherwise you know to get traction. Otherwise, the wheel spends too much time in the air. If yes. the traction is not optimized. But yeah. you also hit the uh, exact point and the, the main problem we had in the kilojoule last year, and that's the reason we didn't run all three key wheels at the same time, is that with that crappy suspension, it turns out we were really relying on the suspension in the pneumatic, the, the springiness of a pneumatic tire. Yeah. And that had saved us for, for years of racing. Mm -hmm. We took that away. Thanks for just was was shaking yeah. like crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, other than the sidecar, the sidecar seemed to work all right. That one has a uh, that one had decent suspension. That had bearings. Right. And uh, yeah. So how how on earth do you do the um, sort of spring damper calculations for a vehicle like like Green Envy? That's so it... so Olin's did their magic. Ah, okay. Yeah. They 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 put that into their secret formula here. Put these shocks on. We gave ah, them the geometry, okay. and they said, "Here, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah, we had. Don't touch a thing. Yeah. So just like the motor magic, which yeah. we have outsourced to you, yeah. we have outsourced the the suspension magic to to Olin's to That's do all fantastic. that. That's fantastic because it. I mean, it must be so complex because you've got so much going on there with the sort of loadings um of the vehicle you're going to have quite a lot of aero going on pushing you into the ground there's all sorts of things that they have to take into consideration to make that not uh, it's black arts yeah, yeah yeah and also 
it's in, it's in Swedish, so we have Eva to talk Swedish to them, okay. and they're very uh, they're, yeah that that I think cinched the deal. Okay, <laughs> so we've got super lovely suspension, courtesy of the very clever guys at uh, Olins. Um, yes. So that's uh, how do you say that in Swedish? Olins. Olins. This 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 the Swedish pronunciation. Olins. Is that okay? But no one would know what you, you meant yeah. outside Sweden. People don't generally know what I mean anyway, so uh, that, <laughs> that's fine. Erlins, Olins, Olins, Erlins, O H L I N S, mega mega suspension company. So, um, so they, they, those guys have, have um, done a sterling job on the on the suspension, and that's that's a big um, big improvement. So so then is it you're not expecting to get much vibration through? And you've got to, you know, much like a normal car, you've got to try and keep the tire in contact with the ground. So you're. Um, That's correct. Yeah. We don't care about vibration. We care about keeping the contact, the uh, the, the the tire in contact. We, you know, if the driver goes up and down, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We don't care. Are He's you going fast? Yeah. See the horizon, well, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he says that because he doesn't drive. It. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've only been in the Green Envy. I've never been in the Kilojoule. I don't fit. Ah, okay, yeah. I do remember having a, a driver in a race car in my past life in motor racing, and the, and it was like the where we were was so rough, and the car was so badly set up. I hadn't set it up, by the way, so I just got the car. That the guy's helmet was bashing off the roof of the car, and he dented the roof, you know. And he, I don't even know how he could see where he was going, let alone didn't have concussion. You know, those things become people don't think about it in a normal car, but in a racing car with much, much stiffer suspension where you're like strapped in to the seat like concrete, you know, you can't move. That thing is aggressively shaking you around. You're going to, you know, you know about it uh, in a big way. Yeah. It all becomes on your neck, all of that stress. <laughs> like the rest of your body can't uh, kind of. Uh, flop around like it usually does in a normal car. Yeah, so. We've taken care of the suspension and that right, we believe we'll yeah. find out, but it, it appears to be a dream Yeah. on that. And uh, it's just a matter you, 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 you have to, you have to get the power and you have to get it to the ground and then you just kind of hang on for what, it, for it, uh, it yeah. and the aerodynamics. We'll find out about that. We'll see, you know, we've done the basics. So That's going our, in a straight line is surprisingly difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. It's in concept. This seems like a, a ridiculously simple type of motorsport. Yeah, like you just all you do is to drive in the straight line for a few miles. It's an engineering <laughs> challenge. But it is. It, it it is not. It doesn't take much of a driver. So, oh, thankfully. Are you, um, <laughs> are you constantly kind of making steering corrections and things to to keep yourself? A little bit. But, but if you've designed the vehicle well, you're not. Well, you have you have to you have crosswinds a little bit. You have gusts, yeah. you have potholes, yeah. uh, uneven ground, and things that pushes you around. But in in general, a well built vehicle will go straight. Yeah. And when, well, the, the Green Envy wasn't straight, and you'd give it the goose, and it would go one direction, the and you get yeah the kilojoule in one direction, and then you'd let go that off of it and it'd drift in the other direction. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but I guess it's all that tire scrubbing like that would. Um... That's lost energy that uh, you're losing from speed as well. Indeed. Yeah. And it, does the sidecar do much? Is that does that is that some kind of I'm thinking like outrigger sort of uh, racing boats where the, the outrigger lifts up at a certain speed and it, it's kind of flying. 
is a sidecar in contact with the ground the whole time or does that kind of have some clever spaceship function so this is one of the most common questions we get okay and uh, and the answer is actually it's the opposite okay so the sidecar is always touching the ground the sidecar is my training wheel it's my permanent training wheel that's yeah. how it uh, uh, ended up there the kilojoule was built as a two-wheeler i realized very very early like at pretty much the first test drive that i had no business on two wheels but i had never seen a three-wheeled streamliner because right. we hadn't been to bonneville <laughs> <laughs> so we built a two-wheeled streamliner and we came to bonneville and then we saw the sidecar streamliners and, and i said that's the solution <laughs> We're going yeah. to build the sidecar and it will never, ever come off. So what the sidecar does is that it takes a, um, a, a an enclosed motorcycle where you sit inside. It's incredibly difficult to drive because yeah. you have no body English. You only have steering inputs. And it's quite easy to build a vehicle that absolutely cannot be driven, even by, by the best rider in the world. Yeah. You can't keep its balance and upright. Yeah. Um, but putting and the aside, wind pushes around terribly. And the yeah. wind, yeah, incredibly sensitive. And uh, the wind, and it's not a matter of if they crash, it's a matter of when they crash because they all have crashed and they all do it yeah. quite frequently. Um, so by putting a sidecar on, you still stay in the motorcycle category where we want to be because yeah. we like the, kind of the biker culture and yeah. and it has lots of, of benefit from, from a rural perspective to be in a motorcycle category, but it makes the vehicle drive like a car. Ah, okay. So now suddenly you're driving a car and not a motorcycle, uh, philosophically, yeah. a motorcycle. So the, the sidecar wheel is always on the ground in the sidecar uh, platform, which has to be big enough to hold an adult passenger. That's a minimum size. There is 60 kilograms of lead ballast that simulates a passenger. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. So that makes sure that it, the, the vehicle can't fall over in the other direction. Okay. In addition to that, uh, our sidecar is covered actually in a 3D printed cowling, which is an upside down wing that generates downforce. Ah, okay. Yeah. You're not so, allowed to build a wing anywhere else on a motorcycle. A motorcycle streamliner is not allowed to have any horizontal air force. Oh, right. Okay. In the rules, the regulations it. yeah. it's forbidden. Because it's a motorcycle, and motorcycles don't have spoilers and. and, yeah. and it, big fins and all kinds of all, 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 all these things. You can have a tail fin that's all you're allowed, but the sidecar uh, is a loophole in the regulations because you're required. You're required to have a sidecar, you're required to have a certain size, and you're yeah. allowed to streamline it. So that becomes a big, well, not quite a square meter, but close to a square meter horizontal airfoil that you can use to generate a tremendous amount of downforce. Okay. So we're generating about a uh, hundred something kilograms which gives us much better traction than anybody else uh, and we we have for a while it kind of passed without anybody really noticing we hey we're the fastest sidecar yeah, yeah. in period. the world period yeah. in the world we were for <laughs> a couple of couple three years couple three years and uh it, seriously and then the sidecar people went what <laughs> what what we're not the fastest anymore yeah and, yeah, yeah we're fine. and then they you kind of it kind of it, it turned out it's a long story but he kind of figured out what we were doing he kind of had an opportunity to hang out with us in a photo shoot and uh he was looking and we you know we're not secretive and uh he realized what was going on and then he built 
a sidecar. And made a huge leap. And made a huge leap in how fast he went. He went, put more than 100 miles an hour on oh, his car. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. He went from 224 to like 300 and something in two years. 320 miles per hour. Yeah. The current race sidecar record. So. And, and just so, by adding some downforce, well, presumably not just from that, but the downforce would help. A little bit more, but still, yeah. that was the major innovation, the big change to the thing. Okay. And we were the fastest sidecar for two or three years. And is that a, basically that kind of tells you how important it is because uh, you're not going around a corner. So that downforce is only really in terms of providing traction. So keeping the, the driven wheel in contact with the ground, stopping it from skipping around. So... That's um, that that kind of shows how rough the the surfaces that you're going over that that, that gives you such a big advantage. Keeps you yeah, so we kind of we, we found that the sidecar motorcycle was a little niche in the uh, in the rules that no one had really explored yeah. and had a lot of benefits. Wow! So you asked. So we th- yeah. therefore we think we think I firmly believe that a three wheeled motorcycle will should be able to be faster than a two-wheeled motorcycle because we have the, the stability, we have the safety, we have the downforce, yeah. uh, which gives traction, and we have a hugely bigger window of operation. So a two-wheeled motorcycle, a streamliner motorcycle, uh, the organizers typically don't allow them to run in more than three miles per hour crosswind. And the owners don't do that. And it's just just shown to be crazy that they can't oh, wow. really handle much. Three miles, three miles per hour is a basically Maximum. a perfectly calm day. Yeah, that's nothing. Wow. No. And so then you got to get a return run within two hours. Oh wow! So their so team sitting for days or weeks waiting for this perfect calm moment. Wow. Go because by and nature, then they got to turn around and come back. The yeah. place that you're <laughs> running the bike i would think you'd get a little bit of wind because you're in a big open space so yes you do yeah yeah so they they typically run early in the morning wow so when other teams are waiting we are just running all day long they put weather stations some of them put weather stations the whole length of the run to see what's going on all the way down ah okay wow that's amazing it's serious business yeah. yeah, but you asked about the powertrain. Yeah, yeah. Answered. So back to the powertrain. Yeah. So it says run us through. That's the interesting part. What yeah. have you got? So what we got? Well, we have the best motors, of course. Yeah. We have the Avic. <laughs> I'm blushing now. Thank you. <laughs> it, it turns out so the motor is one of the hardest parts in an electric uh, race vehicle. Yeah. So people are so focused on the battery. They yeah. always ask, well, what's the battery? What's the battery? What's the battery? And the reality is that these days there are quite a few to choose from. Yeah. And especially in land speed, it doesn't really, you're not really, you care to, you care about uh, the uh, volume it takes up. We but also, not so much about the weight. Uh, we, right. carry, we care very much about safety and reliability. Yeah. So we've been racing uh, A123 systems for ever. Forever. Forever. Yeah. For almost two 20 years. No, almost 20 years. So as long as A123 has been around. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've been running the same battery since 2013. So I've is that seven race seasons on the same battery pack? What kind of, um, is it a power pack or an energy pack or what's, what is that? It's kind of in the middle. So it's a, okay. it's a lithium iron, uh, lithium iron, iron phosphate. Okay. So it's different from what you find in your mobile phone. This is what you will find in a, a 
cordless tool or specifically these cells are for hybrid cars. Okay. So they are a little bit lower on the energy side, roughly around 100 watt hours per kilogram. About yeah. half. It's about half of what you will find in, in the high uh, energy cells. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, you get a lot of power. Okay. So we can... Uh, low impedance. Low impedance, high reliability, and high safety. Yeah. Okay. And reliability in racing, uh, people don't realize this. Oh, I want to go for the most. No, it's king. Yeah. <laughs> because if you don't finish... You can't finish first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's the old uh, Colin Chapman line, though, about the, the perfectly designed race car is the one that f drops to pieces as it crosses the finish line. <laughs> that's, yes, you, on, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. I used to look at my motors, and when they flew apart, they turned into a ball of plasma at the end of the drag strip. <laughs> yeah. I, know I'd work, I know I'd put just the amount, amount of power through them. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. So the, what, what kind of capacity do you have to run uh, battery-wise? So uh, what we have right now is it's not necessary 100% optimized for this vehicle, mm. but it is what we had for the kilojoule. Uh, and I've just uh, transferred the batteries over. And we have, in total, we have, um, so well, we have 400 volts. Yeah. About 10 kilowatt hours. Okay. Sorry, 20, 20 kilowatt hours. And we That's quite can a big battery. Draw, That's... It's about, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about uh, 300 uh, something kilograms. Yeah, yeah. And we can draw? We can draw up to about 1800 amps. Maybe a bit more. Okay. Depends so... upon how long we're going to do it. Right. But we can short term for, for maybe topping out at the... the quarter mile you know at the at the through the traps we can pull more perhaps yeah you know so you've got a lot of power available there from there and the, the 400 volts is that um because you uh, would you look at going to 800 volts or a higher voltage um do you need to do you need that or is everything fine well, do, we're going to shake out the vehicle at what it is now yeah you know so we have had, this is an endless discussion. Okay. The 400 versus the 800 volts. Okay. Uh, yes, if you look, just at performance, uh, you can make a, a whole lot smaller powertrain if you go to 800 volts. Yeah. But I build stuff myself. Yeah. <laughs> I build battery packs, I wire battery packs. Yeah. And I like 400 volts because it typically doesn't kill you. I'm pretty. Oh. <laughs> no, no. I don't want to put your tongue across the terminals. <laughs> I wouldn't put my tongue across the terminals. I, I've taken 400 volts multiple times. Uh, DC. <laughs> yeah. That's what DC. happened to your hair. <laughs> yeah. DC is the difference. 400 yeah. volts DC it's is. It's about 200 volts AC. It's yeah. not that different than putting a fork into your, your outlet here in New Zealand or the UK and Europe where it's. 220 volts in your outlet. You, you, you're it's similar. survivable. Uh, so anyone yeah. listening, don't try that. Uh, no, don't try volts no, DC. Don't no, but I'm saying you go over. You, uh, big problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay. you go over. The, and, and it's like from a safety perspective, the closer, the higher you go, the less, the more hazardous building, putting the pack together in the end. That's true. Yeah, you, and you you know, we will go somewhere. Is it, but I don't know if it's amps or volts or whatever. Yeah, six hundred. It's a cu is it cubic ruler? The, the 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 kind of arc potential is quite um, 
it's, there's a crazy relationship between voltage and uh, arc potential. So there's if voltage goes up, the arc potential kind of uh, basically much more likely to arc, but on a, on some kind of exponential scale. So if you double the voltage, yeah, go, going over six hundred is you're make you're pa you're passing through. Mm a regime at 600. So yeah. basically, the reason we settle for 400 volts, because that is kind of the top of, of that. Yeah. Uh, it's the top of the range of inverters, the mm. kind of the low voltage inverters, they yeah. top out at 400 volts. Yeah. Um, it is from a safety perspective as sensible and reasonable to handle. Yeah. And it also happened to match the motors we we're running, so yeah, yeah. it was working. It was just working well. We saw that as as a good uh, good optimization between performance and, and safety. Yeah. And when we run out of horsepower, we'll have this discussion it's again. again. Yeah. I will convince yeah. her yeah. to go up in voltage a bit. I'm suspect, but she won't admit that now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, we, we can definitely. I mean, six fifty. 650 is very doable. I think those controllers that you've got would be uh, fine for a, a higher voltage. Certainly the motors are. We, they, they're quite yeah. happy at uh, running. Well, we'd have to change voltage. out contro the controllers. We would yeah. have to change out the controllers. Ah, okay, yeah. Or at least the, the, we'd have to send them back in for uh, uh, a, uh, like a, a new, uh, uh, new um, no, not recalibration, but the, we've got the, the ultimate calibration. We'd have to do, go uh, put new silicon in, uh, power ah, silicon. Okay. Yeah, they could. And I guess you know, the, or something. if you're not overly concerned about the weight, so being able to reduce the cabling and things like that at the higher voltage, that's not all that doesn't really matter. It doesn't. And, and that's another interesting thing that you're bringing up, and that's about weight or mass. So in land speed racing is probably the only motorsport I can think of uh, where mass doesn't really matter that much. Mm. It, you, it's a consideration. But not a, not the the king of considerations. Not like an aircraft or in you know or Formula, One. Formula One. They care about grams. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they care about the embroidery on your racing suit because true, it yeah. adds. Weight. And this is no joke. It's no joke. Yes, yeah. they, they they were having a battle with with the regulatory with regulatory about oh we don't want to put embroidery on we want to use printing yeah and they said no it has to be embroidered. So, so we uh, the, yeah. in land speed racing, mass actually gives you traction. Yeah, it gives you traction without induced drag. Yeah. So downforce is the the uh, universal way of of generating traction, but yeah. in land speed racing, it's actually all about aerodynamics. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, many vehicles have added ballast yep. to get more traction without uh, inducing drag. Oh, right. Yeah, and until you start getting really fast, like 500, 600 miles an hour, breaking the sound barrier, mm. then it becomes more of a drag race. Yes. Then you're worried about accelerating to that speed in some reasonable length of time. Oh, and okay. okay, but we're not there yet. We're a long way off. <laughs> so it it is a it is a very unique application in many ways. Do, do you just a uh, that's that's kind of sparked a question. So I've seen. Uh, people doing these speed racing before and they have a push start do you guys get yes. a push start as well we're one of the few vehicles that don't why uh, would we need push start okay. we don't need it you don't need a push start i that... don't know anyone electric doesn't need a push start. so the because reason you've got all of that push push start... at low speed <laughs> it's the same 
it's yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. The reason you see pushed art, if you watch uh, like uh, um, uh, media coverage from Bonneville, you see the, the, the pushed art of these big streamliners, it is that if they didn't push art, it will burn out their clutch. So yeah. they can't stay, start from a standstill because they're geared so tall. Yeah, yeah. because the motors do not, uh, uh, gasoline motors do not start producing torque until about 1,000 RPM yeah. or more. Yeah. And uh, the motors are often tuned for, you know, 10,000, 12, you know, something RPM or 7,000, huge numbers of RPM. Yeah. And you've got to match that gear train to that RPM. Yeah. And this becomes a, the transmissions and drivetrain are a major headache. So I drive to the starting line, which is. Yeah, nobody does that. You don't need a strong pit crew to push you around. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I, I drive to the starting line and the green envy, and as well as the kilojoule have yeah. reverse. Yeah, I can parallel course, park can go here. backwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and people, are, what you know, they start. Oh well, 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 you you can turn around over there. That's okay. Oh no, I'll just do, 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 do. you back you back and forth. <laughs> yes. So so if I had known how to parallel park, I could have parallel parked, but yeah. I'm pretty crappy at parallel parking. So <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, in, and that's one of these quirky things about electric powertrains is that it generates the same amount of horsepower in reverse as it does forward. The yes. motor doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Which direction it's spinning? It's just a switch on the dashboard. Yeah, yeah. Forward or reverse. We have um, a car in our workshop at the moment, um, which is a, pr a prototype uh, electric vehicle that uses Evo motors, and that in the past was used for a, a brilliant uh, PR stunt where it was driven in reverse up the uh, Goodwood Hill climb. <laughs> Uh, pretty good driving. Uh, it's on YouTube if anyone wants to uh, look that one up. But uh, all right, we have to look that up. Yeah, um, we've been joking we should do a reverse uh, speed record, but it will be visibility will be interesting and the aerodynamics will certainly be interesting. Yeah, a little challenging going. I don't know how you get the shit. You'd have to spin it to put the shoots out. Yeah. It, 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 the vehicle is really designed to go nose first. J turn at four hundred miles an hour. <laughs> So, so uh, the, the aerodynamics you mentioned there—that's you mentioned a few times. Air is like the big thing. Air is a big oh, yeah. thing. It is. How did you do the design for the the bodywork? That's a good question. It's kind of a—it's a bit of a patchwork of uh, of analysis of uh, the original yeah. design. The start out of the design was in uh, uh, design foil. Right. Uh, for uh, used an NACA, I just picked the proper one that would cover all the components. Okay. An NACA uh, uh, NACA yeah. uh, airfoil. Okay. Yeah. That, that the body is that. And we wanted to go, instead of over and above the body, it turns out you really don't want to do that. You want to go around the body with the air. Okay. So it acts like a sideways wing. Yeah. You know? That's uh, important because you don't want to push air underneath the vehicle. No, right. Um, well, it, it just, it's just a mess underneath the vehicle. Do, so you, do don't they, want to do that. you mentioned before about you're not allowed to do uh, downforce on the main body. Does anyone check that? Is that well, you, you can you, see it. Uh, okay. You can't. You the body can create downforce, but you're not allowed to add horizontal weights. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you the, if the design, you can cover of, things. Yeah. 
Yeah. And people do make oil tanks and, you know, uh, you know, intercoolers and things that hang out of these in interesting aerodynamic ways yeah. that hang out in the, and act like a little stubby wing. Yeah. They do this, you know, but... It can only be an, an integral part of the streamlining or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, okay. yeah, it's kind of like, really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> so so we have... Uh, the, the early concept was was based on, on, on uh, known mathematical airfoils. Right. Yeah. Then uh, that was kind of turned into reality by a, a, a good friend. Well, turned out it was uh, <laughs> the very first kilojoule. There are some, some, some embarrassing photos from the very first year we were at Bonneville. Uh, it had a, a round nose that I laid up on a Pilatus ball <laughs> because it needed a nose. And she hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, on a Pilates ball. <laughs> yes. So I bought a Pilates ball and That's I laid up the nose. That's what I Okay, um, so you did a what a, 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 a composite layup on a inflatable Pilates ball. Yes, an exercise ball. Yeah, and then I painted that red, and we uh, uh, riveted that to some sheet metal, and that became the nose, and that's how we raced it the very first time. Kind of like the Rocketeer or something like that. <laughs> Traveling <laughs> science project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we built that whole thing in about five months as well. So and we the bodywork we built in, in about a week. Yeah, in a week. <laughs> So that the the nose on Green Envy isn't clearly isn't a Pilates ball. So no. no. So so the the nose of the Green Envy is actually a copy of the kilojoules. What happens after these <laughs> embarrassing photos were posted on Facebook is that a, a, a saving uh, uh, angel fell out of the sky named Jim Cornyn mm-hmm. yep. um, from Flagstaff, Arizona, and he makes his living making airplane parts. And he said, I saw your Composite Facebook airplane parts. I, I saw your Facebook photos. You need help. I will help you. <laughs> so he hand sculpted the he actually uh, uh, came up to Denver from Arizona, which is grabbed the frame. Eighteen hour drive, grabbed the frame, hold it back to Flagstaff, hand sculpted the nose on the canopy out of foam. Oh wow. And then he made the part, the plug made the mold, made a part for the killing jewel. Wow. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And that's what makes it look so good. Right. And then we match that with a single curved sheet metal, which starts just right behind the nose. It yeah. goes all the way to the tail. And we built it like an aluminum airplane. Oh, wow. Okay. For the green envy, uh, we have... Uh, by the way, that's painted, by the way. It comes painted. It's pre-painted uh, sheet metal. Comes oh. red or green. Well, yeah, it comes in many colors. But, but yeah, <laughs> but it's it, it comes with the uh, the color baked on. It's really really good stuff as far as it takes trailer rash pretty well. <laughs> it does pretty good. Yeah. So the uh, so he came from the airplane side and and um, sculpted up his nose based on on principles of of airplanes and airplane aerodynamics. Yeah. And also the sidecar. And the wheel. sidecar wheel cowling. Um, then for the green end, we, we convinced Jim to make us a copy in the same mold. He still had a mold. Oh, so he made yeah. us a copy and then gave us a mold as well, mostly because I think he wanted a storage space. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the green end, we has the, a kilojoule nose copy, but the canopy didn't fit right. because we had in, in, uh, significantly increased size for added safety. So we had a, a volunteer crew member here in New Zealand um, Steve Lovell, who in a weak moment offered to make us a canopy 
<laughs> so he is a racer himself, but funny enough, he races a car that has neither an engine nor a motor. He's a gravity car racer. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> he basically sits in a, uh, in a grocery, uh, grocery cart and yeah. let's go down a giant uh, mountain. And, <laughs> but he has a very nice uh, composite uh, uh, race a vehicle, holds the uh, New Zealand record. And he's, I think he's second in the world or something in the gravity race. Oh, yeah. Wow. By the way, the interesting thing about gravity racing, this is an interesting little fact. You have to go, you set, you can't set a record if you crash. You have to come to a safe stop. Yeah, because <laughs> people would go as fast as they could, and whatever happens, happens after the, you know, <laughs> and no, uh, no, no. So you need brakes. No, no, if you crash, it doesn't count. Oh. The gravity <laughs> racing is uh, is nuts. That That is, it's a, that, I mean, that's a particular motorsport niche. Well, not motorsport, it's a, what would you call uh, it? Yeah, car sport. Car, I, guess. I guess whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm confused in terms of what it even is, but it's basically people do that are absolute head cases, in my opinion. Uh, even yes. more so than yeah. normal. Uh, but they're good at it's making. Like that describes uh, our crew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> perfect, Otherwise, they wouldn't be on crew either. Yeah, perfect qualification so, yeah. to be on the green MV team. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So Steve Lovell hand sculpted the um, the canopy for the Green Envy yeah. and made that uh, composite part too. To uh, and he probably regrets that deeply. Oh yeah, volunteering. volunteering. Oh well, I can make that for you. Oh, I bet he just woo, rose rose the day. Yeah, <laughs> so he spent all Christmas uh, building this part. Yeah, remotely. Oh, wow. Yeah, not he's he's in uh, he was in the South Island at the time, so that was. Uh, I wouldn't have anything else to do, would he? So. And then again, what we did is that we made all the rest of the bodywork from single curved sheet metal. So from the nose and back, it is what I call a toothpaste tube. Right. And And it's built with. Do you you have to do do you deform that over the frame or do you have to kind of like roll it or so you just literally over your knee? You basically form it over your knee. Okay. And and then is it glued to the frame or riveted no. or both? It's it's riveted to ribs and then it's held to the frame either with uh, quick fasteners or with screws. Okay. Quarter turn fasteners or screws. The parts we need to take off regularly are quarter turn fasteners. Right. And the parts we don't need to take off very regularly are screws. Good. And we have a, a band that runs the center line of the uh, kind of a watermark uh, mm. over the over the center of the vehicle like a belly a waistline of the vehicle yeah and that's uh and all the bodywork meets there and it's hung on to that okay you can imagine. So, so then the the outside profile are you i guess it's it's completely flush there's no sort of exposed lumps and bumps or do the rivets we try to keep those down we yes. try to keep them down. yes, yes. Okay. that yes there so are a few so what the green enemy has which is not a, necessary the best from an aerodynamic perspective that it has a midsection that is basically straight it's kind of a squished cylinder okay. kind of like a tube on a on a uh, a commercial jet yeah commercial jet where the midsection is is parallel just a tube just okay. a tube so that is not a 100% best from an aerodynamic perspective but, but it's not it, bad. It, it, it's okay and also gave us a, a lot of room for the powertrain right Okay. And that was one of the the main uh, yeah the main priorities was a was cockpit space for added safety and then yeah to make the 
powertrain bay as big as we possibly could for all future possible powertrains we would maybe yeah. want to put in. We'd like to make it kind of planning for future. Yeah. Future iterations. Yeah. Ah, brilliant. Power improvements. And we wow. never get around to talk about the powertrain, but yeah. I would just say a few more things about it. So, so the batteries are from A123 systems, the motors are from Avid. Yeah. And then in between there, we have four Cascadia motion uh, inverters. Yep. So that is basically it. And then it's. And uh, they've been extremely reliable. We, they, yeah. we brought those over from the kilojoule. Well, yes. two of them over from the kilojoule and, and got then, two more yeah. uh, from uh, uh, Cascadia. And they have been just dynamite. Yeah. We just yeah. love them. They're yeah, a good, just, uh, good product. So yeah. that's uh, for people that don't know or might have heard of, of Reinhardt. They're, the Cascadia yep. is the new yeah. name for the Reinhardt uh, business after it's yeah. been part of Borg Warner now. Um, yep. And you, you guys. Gary Reinhardt is the designer of that. Very nice guy. And Chris Brown. Yeah, 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 absolutely top chaps. Um, you, you, you built the electrical distribution, the power distribution stuff yourself, didn't you? I, was, I saw some good uh, videos of all that going together. <laughs> 3D printed a few parts in there. Yeah. Yeah, so we have a big, what we call the aquarium that holds all the power electronics. Yeah. So but what the Green Envy has is basically, essentially it has four parallel powertrains. <laughs> that are all linked together in the end so we have uh, we have eight contactors and four fuses and four pre-charged relays and and it's just basically four of everything right. and all of that is housed in a big plate that's covered in an acrylic and sealed uh, in sealed in because so you, you want to keep the salt out yeah. fingers fingers <laughs> you don't you know but you also want to see things you want to show it off because people are interested and you want to see is something turning blue is something deforming something not right something yep. not right yeah. and just keep an eye on on um, all the all the parts so then the two motors are chained together yeah with a 630 motorcycle chain and then chained directly to the rear wheel oh, wow. so there's a fixed gear ratio Amazing. and it's a bit of a funny situation that the rear wheel actually spins faster than the motor which is unusual in a motorcycle okay yeah so it's so up, up, effectively up geared yes it's up geared so at um uh in the current setup our maximum motor rpm is expected to be about 2800 rpm and at 400 miles per hour uh, the rear wheel spins about 5500 rpm oh wow okay so it's so you could still go faster. <laughs> Maybe that's well. The that's where we're on a horsepower, so yeah. that should be about um, yeah the top. Yeah. Okay. So the the computer says it should go four hundred miles per hour, but unfortunately, we don't race computers. Yeah. <laughs> no. Although at the minute everyone's racing computers, so yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, if we did, we get but do have have it do Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. So I, I'm actually, I'm, you probably can see me uh, glancing down here. I've just noticed the time and uh, yeah. we've uh, completely blown the time. So I've taken up uh, loads of your time. Mm. Um, just, you know, it, just to kind of close out, I was wondering, you know, what what's next? So, you know, obviously we've got to get through um, the coronavirus craziness, but um, what's got you guys excited about, you know, what, what are you doing? What are you going to do next? 
So the whole mission for, for the Green Envy is to promote electric vehicles. Yeah. That's really the number number one um, uh, is to sh- is to um, to show that electric vehicles are faster, cooler, and sexier than than internal combustion. Yeah. And uh, a big part of that is also to just educate people about EVs that yeah. it's nothing weird. It's really a, a, a normal vehicle, just better. Yeah. People are uh, taking notice in uh, land speed. We've yeah. Rumors of other people mm-hmm. uh, right. going electric. Going electric, turning to the other side. And trying to beat yeah, us. Yeah. But the most important is to get just uh, average people or general people. We've convinced people, to say the least. They go to the car <laughs> dealer and, and think about maybe getting an EV instead of a, a regular car. And yeah. also... Uh, big part or, or one of the important reasons we are in racing is to change the image of electric vehicles yeah electric vehicles i mean elon musk has done a lot of, of the work for us <laughs> yeah thanks elon yeah <laughs> but still uh, people that can't afford a tesla uh, still may not find the alternatives particularly sexy yeah. but to just kind of show the image that all electric vehicles are actually yes yeah, good good option it's coming. You, you're pretty sexy even in the Nissan Leaf. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are doing a lot of work. You do a lot of work with um, trying to get kids into science and engineering as well. Yes. So that's kind of the other leg of what we do is to get both boys and girls to realize that science and, and STEM is really cool. Yeah. And uh, if you want to be fastest in the world, you have to do your maths homework. Yeah. That's really the message. Um, if, you, if you're good at maths, you, you can do and be pretty much anything you want yeah 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 no it's uh, that's a uh, i think that's an excellent advice you you, you can uh, do a degree in engineering and if you really really want to you could become an accountant um but you can't <laughs> do a degree in accountancy and become an engineer that's uh... exactly and actually many engineers go into to sales so marketing uh, i mean it breaks my heart yeah is... law <laughs> Management consultancy. Some of them become oh. CEOs of companies. And, no, you don't want to be CEO like of that. a terrible job. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe the kind of the third part of what we're trying to promote is just to get people start building stuff again. Yeah. Young and old. And I think we have seen that's something we really seen during this pandemic is people actually kind of getting back to building stuff, doing stuff, making yeah. things. Uh, the 3D printing community is making um, your mom equipment. Yeah, I have been printing face shields. My mom, who's 76, is printing face shields for health healthcare 3D workers. 3D printing face shields. This uh, oh, wow. a face shield for uh, healthcare workers. Healthcare workers oh. in Sweden. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah that... both my brothers are. I have been, and and it it maybe is bringing back something good that uh, kind uh... of. Yeah, I, I agree. It's more I th- self-sufficient. A lot of people, like in the past, is, we don't want to think about manufacturing. It's kind of made in China. That's the. Uh, but I think maybe people are realizing now that's not a, a not the best option for, you know, for the long term. It's uh, you, you need to be able to do stuff. Like, I, although I am really missing the one thing. Uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> this sounds a bit bit weird but i am I'll, I'll go with that the one thing i'm really missing at home is um a welder so i and i can't quite justify getting one right at the moment um but my uh i do i could really do with a welding set in the garage <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah being able to well, I'm it... having to work out how to fabricate things from uh wood and uh using wood Nothing glue bolts. screws rivets uh 
where I'd, I'd like to be able to join metal uh, with it with a nice world too Eva considered it as a superpower. Yeah, it's my superpower. I can I can yeah. fuse metal with my hands. Yeah, yeah no, I, I would agree definitely. Yeah, it's on my. It's going to be my birthday a, present this year. Is a, a yeah. nice. Welding is pretty pretty hardcore, but just getting into like three D printing it gives you yeah. a whole different perspective on how things are made and yeah. what you can actually do. So we're proposing that I mean, building stuff should really be part of any any education. Yeah, yeah, it should be should be part of it should be required as part of your engineering education. Yeah. You know, people they've they've kind of let that fall in also primary education, you know, like the uh that should be part of it. It should be you should build things. Yeah. Uh but you can get you you should get a, a little MIG welder. I think mm-hmm. this is I yeah. you know you should. And a three D printer if you don't already have one. And a three do you have a three D printer? No, I don't. Um yeah, three oh. D printer for the, the for, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just a, a caveman. Are you aware literally... how cheap they are? Yeah, well, I'm making stuff out of wood, so that's kind of like 3D printing. Do you know? <laughs> do you know how much a 3D printer is? No, no. It, what do you get? Guess. Seriously. I, I don't know. Five hundred. Five hundred what? Pounds. That's a pretty fancy one. That's a fancy one. Oh really? Three hundred okay. US dollars is where I start now. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, and you you made that, one, and that's with delivery. Okay, with, with shipping. So I guess I could. Yeah. Uh, and that's a good. That's one that's worth using, worth buying. It's a good entry level one. It it does, it prints good stuff. So we print parts for four hundred miles per hour on three hundred dollar printers. That's how good they are these days. Oh wow! So maybe I should get because uh, I was going to get quite a nice TIG set. So I'll get a MIG welder, save some money on that, and I'll get. Um, yep. A 3D, a 3D printer. printer. Yeah, you want to start out with MIG. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully my, my my wife will listen to this and uh, take some notes. That's a, the birthday present list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. brilliant. Well, it's been it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you guys. Uh, really uh, appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to talk to me and give us the update. When when do you think Green Envy will be getting back? Um, when when are you going to have it back on the salt flats? Well, for sure next year yeah. in yeah. Australia. Uh, what goes on before then depends upon what goes on in the world before yeah, then. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the the racing season is going to do this year in uh, the U.S. We had a a, a a in a weak moment. We had we're thinking about bringing it to the U.S. in September, but we okay. don't think this pandemic thing is panned out enough yeah. for us to do that. Yeah. And also if you by the way, if if we if we leave this country and come back, we're condemning ourselves to two weeks in in <laughs> yeah. no, no serious and and iso and and quarantine. Yeah. Government quarantine. You know, don't you're gonna stay in this place. You're you're not gonna generally yeah. mix with the you know, it's like oh but mm. as it is right now, we're not even allowed to travel out of the country. And are, we are, are you locked here? You're pretty settled in New Zealand now. You, you think you're going to stay there for the longer term, or will you head back to the US or somewhere else? We or? came here to stay. Yeah, and it is. Uh, we we really like New Zealand, particularly mm. from an engineering perspective. This is really the do it yourself do country. it yourself country. The ultimate yeah. do it do it yeah, yourself. Yeah, people part. admire a person who's handy here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a it is, it is universally admired. Yeah. A CEO of a uh, or a, a, a hedge fund manager is like, oh, OK, I guess it's like, you you know, oh, I guess you are. That's all right. And if yeah. you're a, 
uh, you know, an engineer or uh, somebody who's who's doing something. Oh, really? No, that's good. You know, oh, that's in, and so what sort of work do you do? You know, yeah. people are very interested yeah. in what you do oh, if you're handy. Yeah. yeah, we have received more support here than ever before for our racing. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! That's really yeah. really good. Excellent. Okay. But you know, we open to offers. We know? are open to offers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> UK isn't bad either. Isn't bad either. Uh, yeah, the hedge fund manager, though, probably gets more kudos in the UK still than the engineer. We're not quite there yet. The uh, yeah. There's a lot of work to do to to do more to promote engineering and, and uh, science and technology in the UK. Although it's, 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 it's kind of coming, but um, we're definitely, there's a lot more work to do here. So... So yeah. schedule-wise, uh, if not before, we should definitely see the Green Envy back at the Salt Flats in February or March 2021. For sure. And also, it depends upon we, what goes on and, you know, uh, what, what, you know, if things settle out quickly, they get, oh, we got a brand new cure and everybody's going to be, oh, we're all, everything's coming off. We'll yeah. probably go to the U.S. at some time in the summer, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. No. But the good news is we have another year to make it even faster. Yep. Brilliant. And, and it will. Uh, we, we, six months, we, that's quick. We, we, the thing is, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you can, you can kind of see the inside of the cracks of this thing. We, we did like the dash, the, the instrument panel. We just put an instrument panel and just put instruments on it. Yeah. It was supposed to be nice. And the, the paint was drying as we rolled it into the container to ship it. That's it, it, it was literally drying. So I go, don't it's still kind of soft. Seriously, things the paint was drying. We we're trying to get stuff together. Um, so brilliant. But it's been amazing. It's been a, enormous support. So it's a lot of fun. And um, this is just a little bump in the road. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, we can't really complain that. Oh, our racing program got delayed when the you know That's, the yeah. world is on fire. It's we are we're thankful and grateful and and just seeing. Oh well, we got another ten months to yeah. We make made it some, even faster. We made Great. some face shields that for uh, a few people in a, like a nursing home and some uh, yeah. We've been a local doctor. Mm. You know, we print three D printed some face shields. Great. So yeah. we got our pandemic response is what we set up to do yeah. instead. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Um, well, we'll we'll uh, we'll call it a day at that. Um, so thank you again um, for 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 taking the time out to uh, to to talk to me today. It's been uh, it's been really really great. Thank you. And we'd be happy to come back a third time when we've finally set some records. Okay, I'll hold you to that. I'll definitely. Well, maybe even before then. Depends how long we've got to wait through this pandemic. But uh, all right, we'll hold you to that. Okay. Wow, that was absolutely fantastic. I really hope everyone enjoyed catching up with Eva and Bill as much as I did. I wish them all the best with the Green Envy project. I look forward to seeing that out on the Salt Flats, smashing some world records and uh, bringing lots of attention to electric vehicles in the near future. So if you've enjoyed that today, uh, we've got some fantastic podcasts coming. Don't forget to subscribe so you get to hear about them. Hit like, uh, leave us a review depending on which platform you're listening on. We've got loads of really great five-star reviews that have come in recently for the show. So thank you for that. I really, really appreciate it. It helps me uh, helps keep me going. Um, so that's all we've got time for today. I really look forward to speaking to you again soon.